Welcome to Whatcom New Life Assembly's Sermon of the Week, where, as always, it's all good news. For more info on how to get involved in our church or to partner with our ministry, please visit us at whatcomnewlifeassembly.org. Why bother even getting up here to preach after that? I mean, that's... <laughs> Listen, that's enough. You realize? This is, this is it. If that's the only message you get today, that's it. Jesus died for you. He rose again. Your sin is no more when you come to Christ Jesus. This is the heart of the good news. And you don't see, this is good news. Listen, this, this, we don't just dance around here and call it good news because it's, you know, happy, happy, happy. It's because when Jesus rose again, he looked to his disciples and he, he, this is us, and he said, now you guys, go into the entire world and preach the, the gospel, the good news. The word he chose very specifically was the word, one of my favorite words in the Greek, it is the only word in the Greek language I know, euangelion. It's the word Jesus chose, euangelion. It means good news or a reward for bringing good news. He chose this very specifically. Uh, in, the, in the Greek times, this is the word they would use for their evangelists. We didn't make up the word evangelists. They were people who brought euangelion. When a battle was victorious, the, the, uh, the commander would send runners in advance to all the towns. They didn't have their Twitter. They didn't have their Instagram. They didn't have their cell phones. They had to run to every town. Okay, And these folks were called evangelists. And they would dress them up in, 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 uh, in laurel, and they would be carrying a spear, and they would run, and they, what, this is what they would be yelling, euangelion, euangelion. And so the people could see them coming a long ways away, and they would know victory had happened. This is, how, this is what euangelion was. And they would shower them with gifts. So the, the generals, they wouldn't just send out one runner, they would send out lots of runners so that there was a competition. Because the first one there is the one who got showered with the good, good gifts when he brought the good news. So Jesus turns to us and he's like, you guys, go preach the good news to all the world. The idea was there is a reward for it. This is the only good news. Now go, run, beat each other to the chase. The opposite was true too. If, you, if there was a, a loss in the battle, they would send out evangelists. But they would walk more like this. Because the truth is, if you went to a city and you were bringing news uh, that your, your army had lost, they would beat you senseless. This is where we get the phrase, don't shoot the messenger, right? Because they would shoot the messenger. Listen, church, if you have come to Jesus, you have found the only good news worth repeating over and over because it is life and life forevermore. This is what Jesus accomplished on the cross and he turns to you and he says, I'm alive. Now I've chosen you, evangelist. Go into all the world. Tell everybody the good news. Don't be apologetic about it. Be kind. Be full of love. But it's exciting. It's the best news ever. Are you excited? This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to go one step further here. 
Because in the book of Galatians, in the scripture, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, we're, we're, we are given this instruction. We're given this, this account by the Apostle Paul. He says this, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Hold on a second. I mean, I've seen the passion of the Christ. If you've turned on the TV at all, you've seen, this is the week everybody's talking about the crucifixion. We've seen how bloody and awful it was. And now we're told we should be crucified with Christ? That doesn't sound great. I don't, I don't want to take that. Listen, I got good news for you, I promise. The only place to find life is to lose it. The only place to find this joy-filled, abundant life, I'm telling you, is to be crucified with Christ. Now, he took the whips, he took the nails. You don't have to do that anymore. But what you get to do is you die to yourself. He also said that you can only come to him if you are born again, which means you have to give up your life and die. So I want to talk about that for a second. There was this, there was this phrase, in, in, in fact, Maybe you came here today and you're super excited about Easter. I just want to level, I just want to level with you and just tell you one thing. You're going to die. <laughs> y'all, you're all going to die. I don't care how young or old you are. You're, every man, woman, and child is marching towards one inevitable thing, and that is your last breath, and you will die. You ain't getting any younger, all right? <laughs> Uh, Pastor Dan lovingly uh, got me to go to a new barber this week. Uh, for some reason, he thought I needed it. <laughs> Kidding. So I went to this, bar- this, this barber, great, great guy, um, and, and, and he's, he's doing my hair all fancy, and I'm like, yeah, this is great. And he's like, you know, your hair's thinning. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, gracias, pero no, all right. Get thee behind me, Satan. And so, and so he, gets, he gets to talking about some ideas of what you can do. He's like, you know, if we just, and he's combing it down. He's like, you could try this. If you grow it longer, I'm like, I'm not going to do a comb over. What are you talking about? Uh, and he's trying all these things, and clearly he's like, oh, none of this is working for this guy. And so he pulls out this little bottle. It's a magic bottle. It's called hair fibers, all right? If you've never heard of hair fibers, they're magical. And, uh, and, and like it just sprays this thing in there and it's putting these tiny hair fibers in just to cover up the fact that my hair is a little thinner than it once was. I got home and my son's like, Dad, what did you do to your hair? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? Is this my hair? He's like, no, no, you look like you got in a time machine and went backwards. What did he do to your hair? No way, son, this is my natural hair. Listen, I don't care what you do, oil of Olay twice a day, I don't care what your keto diet you're on, what multivitamin you're taking, you're just prolonging the inevitable, you're gonna die, all right? (laughs) Welcome to Easter Sunday at Welcome New Life, where it's all good news, all right. In the second century, the church coined the phrase, momento mori. Okay, momento mori, and this was, this was a church coined phrase, and it simply means this, remember, you will die. <laughs> and the idea was, you need to be ever remembering that this planet Earth, your breath here in this body, is not going to last forever, and you need to remember, 
remember that you will die. In fact, we're told by uh, by a writer um, that that during this time, when a king or a general would be coming home from a battle, a slave or a servant would follow behind him, carrying the crown just slightly above his head, and he would quote this Latin phrase, respis post te hominem te momento, which means this, look to the time after your death and remember you're only a man, momento mori, you will die. During the, the king's greatest victory, his, he's got somebody following him saying, hey, you're going to die. You remember that. Stay humble, my friends. You're going to die. Momento mori. And listen, now it's a, everybody wants to get this tattoo. I don't personally, but uh, maybe you don't either. I don't know. But it is important to remember. But I have a better phrase that I want to coin here in 2019. I looked this up. I made this up. It's also a Latin phrase. And it's this, momento possis vivere. And it means this, remember, you can live. Remember, you can live. But how? You can only live by dying, being crucified with Christ, and being born again to new life. Yeah, but I like myself. I like my personality. Listen, I'm not talking about your personality. I am talking about the fact that each and every one of you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are told very plainly that the only punishment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. He took that death, and only by being crucified with him do I find life from any of my malfunction, from any of my sin, for any of my shortcomings. He gives his life in my place, but I have to die to myself. We've all sinned. I want to give you just, I want to give you five examples, practical examples of, of, of people, of how we've had to die for this die with Christ and be crucified. I'll start with little boy Andy. I got saved when I was five years old, just down the hallway and to the left in one of those Sunday school classes. Well, it happened a little later. But I want to tell you a little about five-year-old Andy. You think five-year-olds are, are born perfect or whatever. I was close, but I fell short, all right? <laughs> Honestly, I, here, I had a major malfunction. I was paranoid. I was scared just racked with fear. There were multiple times where I, I would, I would, I stayed up, I can, more than one occasion, I stayed up the entire night convinced somebody was going to break into our house and murder me as a five-year-old. Thank you, daughter. And she knows that's not going to happen. But here's the deal. I was, I thought it could happen. I was scared. I was paranoid. I couldn't have the lights out in my room because I was scared. Fear gripped me. I was paranoid. So much so, I remember, and I don't know how this happened, but in kindergarten, they brought in a folk, tell, folk storyteller to our kindergarten class, and they told us all these, these legends and all of these things, and, and this, uh, this uh, voodoo, voodoo story was told about how you get rid of evil spirits and, and protect yourself, and, and the moral of the story was you take a pair of shoes and you put them in a V at the end of your bed, and then nothing can harm you in your sleep, Okay? Now, for a kid who is desperately scared, I'm willing to try anything. 
And I kid you not, that night, I didn't just put one pair of shoes. I got mine, my brother's shoes. I, I aligned up my, the entire base of my bed and on my bed. I slept in the top corner and made sure that all of these things, I'll tell you what, nothing could take my fear away. Not even the voodoo V shoe maneuver. I, maybe, I, maybe if I had my Under Armour shoes back then, it would have worked. Kidding. Shortly after that, five-year-old Andy, I'm sitting in a children's church classroom here at this church. And it's a very simple children's church message. And I'm told that you come to Christ, he will take your fear. And I'm like, oh, I, need, I knew I needed that. I needed that part of Andy to die. You understand? Because that was wrong. It was, it was, that was sinful. That was imperfect. That was falling short, Andy. And of course, I was doing this, and I refused to raise my hand. Right? The only way to accept Jesus is to raise your hand when everybody else's eyes are closed. All right? Doesn't ever say that anywhere in Scripture, but that just seems to be how it works. But, uh, so I didn't do it because I was too scared. I was still struggling with fear. But that night in my bed, I'm sitting in the top bunk, and I woke up petrified again. And I remembered that lesson, and I sat up in my bed, and I remember folding my hands, and I said, Jesus, I need you in my heart. I need you to take away my fear. And that part of Andy was crucified with Christ, and it's no longer allowed to live. I live in Jesus. You realize that's what he did on the cross? It wasn't just because, hey, I knew I was going to be tempted in this sin and this sin. He's like, no, that part of you, that part of you that's believing a lie, that's part of, that part of you that is struggling with fear, anxiety, and depression, I will take it on myself and kill it yeah. so that you can come to me, be crucified. This is good news. Yeah. And I got a few more people that want to just share their story quickly, starting with Pastor Dan. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in California, along with, with my wife, Joanna. We've known each other since we're, um, we were, I don't know, in middle school. And, um, yeah, through the process of growing up, we made poor choices, bad decisions. That, that, um, that every, basically, every decision that we made, you know, it, it offended God, right? We were walking in a way that we shouldn't have walked. Therefore, um, we pay the price. <laughs> One way or another, we pay the price. But uh, my dad, being a hard Mexican man, brought me to Washington State because he wanted to change my life, according to him. But now I believe that God had a plan for us. And, um, and uh, through the process, somebody invited me to church, and I went because there was free food. <clears throat> you guys know there was a lot of free food in the back. <clears throat> and, um, and I started going to church because it was fun. But I didn't really known Jesus, I just knew there was free food and it was fun, and we needed something to do on Sunday, so we went, right, and, um, and through the process of walking in church, um, our relationship, our marriage wasn't doing good, it was going bad, because uh, one marriage can do good without God, you know, it's God that keeps us together, and we came to a point where it was like, okay, you know what, enough is enough, you, you make a decision. My dad, my dad taught, taught me one thing, you, you're there to help your wife, and, um, and you work hard, and you provide, and that's your job. So I, I, through that process, I also learned that to have that relationship, I needed to do a change, and the change I needed, it needed to happen in me. Um, 
And then, but I didn't know this, this Christ that I used to go to church to, to worship because I never had a relationship with him. Um, I, just, I just knew all this culture that I grew in, that I, we were Catholic. Um, and when bad things would come, we would do something like, like this, right? I don't know how that helped. That apparently didn't help, but we still did it anyways. But when we got to know Jesus, when I got to know Jesus, he started to change some things inside of me. Some things that um, um, the, he's the only that he was the only one that could change. I mean, if I can go into details, the thing that I did, I did a lot of things, but none of them filled the the hole in my in me to fulfill whatever I was missing. And and we we and I accepted Christ, and I started having a, a relationship with God. And then I realized I look back, and and I still look back now. And I and when I when God when the Holy Spirit talks to me, I look back, and I'm like. Wow, I'm only standing here because of the grace of God, you know. And he pulled me out of drugs. He pulled me out of gangs and stuff that, um, who knows, I might have, I'll probably be in prison right now and some youth pastor will be coming to visit me there. But because of the grace of God, I'm not there, Amen. you know. And, and when I got to know God and when I got to know Christ, it's like my whole thing changed. And because that's, that's what he does. He transforms you. He changes you. And, and the emptiness, I guess, that, that I had growing up, uh, it, it was being fulfilled by the Holy Spirit. But it was my choice to say, okay, Holy Spirit, fill me with that. Because there was an, em- an emptiness that I had. That's why I made all those poor choices. That's why I went out there and tried all different things. But when the Holy Spirit came to me, when I understood what, um, what Jesus did in the cross for me, it was like, hey, trust me, I'm still changing. God is still bringing me from glory to glory. I'm just another guy here full of sins. But God washes me every morning. And, uh, but he rescued me from that from the mud. I call it mud because that's where it was. Even though I, I would like probably, probably um, walk away and, or walk around and think that I was old up. But I wasn't nothing without God. And it's now that I can see that through the whole process that, that I went through, God was preparing me for something. And, um, and that's, and I mean, look at me now. I never even imagined I would be in a Christian church. Even, I mean, it didn't even cross my mind to be here talking about the gospel until Jesus came in my life and he filled the, the, the emptiness that I had. And, uh, and that's what he did for me. He rescued me. I was also saved at a very young age here at this church. I'll never forget. It was a Wednesday night after group and our pastor's wife at the time who was teaching the class was talking about eternal life with Jesus and being loved by Jesus. And I I remember running home and saying, okay, I got to have me some of that. So my parents just, we knelt down by my couch at home in our living room and I prayed and I asked Jesus into my heart. But it wasn't until I was older, until I um, just had that personal relationship with Jesus when I really decided to own my faith. When I was uh, in high school, I walked through some really hard times as far as my self-worth and my self-value. Even though I came from a Christian home and I had people in my life that were supportive, I didn't feel it. I didn't allow myself to feel that love and that encouragement. And so I would walk around with just 
trying to be perfect, trying to have this mask on. And I would have to go to the store like before school all the time. And I would have to buy new clothes to wear because what I had wasn't good enough. And I remember walking the halls of high school with my face like buried in my phone because I didn't want people to see because I was afraid that if they saw, they weren't going to like what they seen. And that was so hard being a young girl and not feeling good enough or valuable. And I always remember I would strive and strive to have a seat at the table always. There was a a moment in high school as well when I'm walking into the cafeteria trying to find a seat uh, to sit with some friends or with some people. And um, a group of girls kind of surrounded in front of everybody just called me out, started making fun of me. And they were like, wow, how sad. Erica doesn't have any friends. That hurt church. That hurt really bad. And I had to carry that brokenness for so many years. And fast forward years later, when Jesus called me to ministry, I was like, are you serious? You you must be talking to somebody over there. You can't be using me. I am so unqualified for this. I can't stand in front of people. I don't have words to say. And Jesus is like, oh, but I'm going to qualify you, Erica. And I have qualified I have qualified you for this. I have purpose for your life. I have plans for your life. And I had to accept that. And I had to walk in that. And so like I was talking about earlier, I said my whole life, I felt like I was fighting for a seat at the table. And the whole time, Jesus said, I have a table and I have a seat for you and it's right next to me. So church, that's for you this morning. I just, I strongly feel my spirit. That is for somebody. There's a place for you. Jesus wants you. Jesus chose you. We no longer get to live like we're unworthy. Maybe we've done things in our past. Maybe we felt like we were unworthy, but church, we are worthy because of Jesus. And I want you to own that this morning. And I just, yeah, I'm I'm done. I I also accepted Jesus at a really young age. I've got a cool, simple story that if you want to hear, I'd love to tell you. And, uh. God is good in that. And, um, but as, as I accepted Jesus uh, at a young age, my family, we, we went to church every Sunday. I grew up in a Christian family, but we, there was some unfortunate things that went through my childhood, and my, my parents ended up getting divorced. And a, as a result of that, I believed this lie that my actions caused other people, their choices were chosen because of my actions. So I felt like whatever I did, it made other people have to do stuff. And so that was a lie that I I believed, and I took that into my relationship with Jesus, that the way I lived my life dictated how much Jesus loved me. And so I had to to do all these good things. Of of course I wanted to go to church, because that would mean Jesus would love me. Of of course I want to help out and and be involved, because that's making sure I'm, I'm doing the right things and making sure I'm earning more of God's love. And I, I wasn't even aware of it. Like, I, was, I loved youth group. I loved church. But that's how I was approaching my father. That's how I was approaching my relationship with Jesus. And uh, se- seven years ago, I was in ministry school. I'm like, Jesus, I'm doing wh- whatever I can think of. Like, I'm here at ministry school. I'm, I'm serving you. Like, I'm, I signed up early to stack chairs. Like, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. And I still feel trapped. And I still feel like I'm not measuring up, and I still feel like it's not enough. And, and, and at that point, he's like, Zeb, my son, I love you. You don't have to do any of that. I love you just because you're you. I know you. I love you. You can't earn my love because it's a gift. 
And, and at that point, I had the choice to say, nope, I'm going to keep working, I'm going to keep earning it, I'm going to keep doing, or I'm just going to receive that gift and realize that, oh, I can't. Like, yes, I, I can't do it. I just have to receive it. Matthew 10, 8, freely you've received and freely give away. We, we're, his, we're his children. He has lavished his love on us. We are children of God. And when we, when we try to earn it, when we try to say, oh, I got to do all the right things, we're working in performance, we're working out of fear because we don't really truly believe that he loves us just as who we are. And so seven years ago, like that truth was dropped into my life. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I get to receive that. And that truth has been amazing, but it's still a choice. Like every day, it's like, okay, hey, am I going to try to operate in earning his love or am I going to receive his love? And thank you that he is constant and his love continues to be there. But church, you can't earn his love, but you can receive it and it's a free gift. Well, good morning. When I was, uh, I grew up in a Christian home, and um, I accepted Jesus when I was little. But then junior high, high school happened, and um, I. Uh, a lot of people don't know this about me, but um, I haven't always looked like this. And um, when I was in high school, my head had not grown into my ears yet, and I had some big ears. And uh, this this one guy, I won't say his name, but he was a great older than me. And I was intimidated by him. And he used to sit behind me, and he used to flick my ears. And um, if I'm tearing up, it's only because I keep praying for that man to find Jesus. But he kept, he kept flicking my ears, and he'd make fun of me in front of people. And because of that, I started, I started uh, putting my value on what other people thought about me. And because of that, they didn't think much of me, so I, I needed to change that. I started getting in the gym, started lifting weights. I started playing sports, started becoming good at wrestling, all those things, because I saw people approve me as I was good in athletics. And then the, the teasing kind of stopped a little bit, but it kind of went on. And so because of that, it took, it took me away from what I knew to be true. And I try to earn people's acceptance by my actions and by what I can do. And it wasn't until I was in the Marine Corps, after the Marine Corps, I was back here and I was getting ready to get married. And uh, to my wonderful, beautiful wife of 29 years in May. So, um, but we were, um, I was getting ready and, um, and I was just trying to earn, earn, earn. And I, I didn't have a very, I had a low self-esteem. And uh, I had an encounter with Jesus and I was reminded of a verse that I, I learned a long time ago in Sunday school. John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then the Lord began to show me that he accepted me. And someone even said this, he accepts you right where you're at. You don't have to measure up to Jesus. You don't have to live up to what his expectations because he loves you where you're at. And when I begin to realize that um, and understand that my self-worth is not on what other people think, but it's about who Jesus is. And when I accepted Jesus, at the age of 24, on May 19th, 1990, I began to, when I accepted him for good and, and just began to live. I remember my wife and I telling people, about a hundred of them in front, I, said, we, I looked up and I said, today we've decided to follow Jesus. And then I broke out in that song. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but 
I decided, we decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And if you know, if you're, if you're here today and you don't, do not know him, he'll change your life. Because now I'm not timid. Now I'm not shy. I have a boldness, not because of who I am or because, because I have a little bit of muscle, but because of who Jesus is. He is my confidence. He's my source. He's my boldness. He's my authority. Because now he's not in that tomb. He's alive. He's alive. And he sits at the right hand throne of God and he's interceding for you. And it's about a relationship with Jesus. It's not about a denomination. It's not about going to church on Easter once a year. It's not even about showing up on Christmas. It's about a relationship, inviting Jesus, the King of Kings, to come in and reside in your heart and live for him forever. And I don't care if you're the shyest person here, you can become bold because of Jesus in you. Amen. You ever had one of those telemarketers call you trying to give you a credit card? I've got very good news for you today, sir. You've been pre-approved for 5,000. You've been pre-approved without telemarketing. All right, maybe that's a bad analogy. But let me tell you what, you have been pre-approved. All you have to do is accept that gift. He's paid it. He's taken care of it. He's transformed you. And all you have to do is say yes to Jesus. You say yes to Jesus. Remember, you can live. If you choose Jesus, I want to conclude by reading a portion of scripture. We've been talking about, about being crucified with Christ. I want to read you the story of two men who were literally crucified with Christ. Uh, if you know, there were two thieves, one on Jesus' right and one on his left on that, on that day 2,000 years ago on the cross. And they literally were crucified and they responded to Christ in two very different ways. How we respond to Jesus matters. In fact, it's the only thing that's going to matter in your entire life is how you've decided to respond to Jesus. And we've been given very clear examples. So in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verse 32 through 43, I'd like to read it to you. It says this, Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one to his right and one to his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for clothes, his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really the Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals, here we go, hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even though you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. There's a lot going on here, but there's two things I want you to take home today. You have two ways to respond to Jesus. And I believe that some of us, oh, I was raised in church, I was raised in church, but we still are responding to Jesus the same way the first thief did. 
If you're really the Messiah, prove it by getting me out of my financial mess. If you're really the Messiah, prove it by saving me out of this foxhole where the bullets are flying over me. If you're really the Messiah, heal my leg. If you're really the Messiah, and you know what we're doing? There is zero faith in those prayers. Those aren't faith-filled at all. I'm telling you, I believe God saves us from those things. He loves to provide for us. He loves to heal us. But I believe we have fallen into this, into this trap where there's zero faith, and we are holding Jesus hostage to our demands. And I'm there, and I'm like, I feel like I'm going to die. So prove you're the Messiah already. And then I'll believe. And God wants to free you. You know what that is? That is a performance. You're, you feel like you've got a performance, so you're expecting Jesus to perform something for you. The other thief. Now, you've got to understand this. We've read this story lots of times. If, you, if, you, if you've heard the story of, of, the, of the thieves on the cross, it doesn't sink in like it used to. But just give me your new brains, okay? Wash your minds a little bit and hear this again for the first time, even if you sat through first service. <laughs> We have a thief on the cross. And he says this. He says, he says, don't you fear God. We deserve to die for what we're doing. One thing you have to do if you ever want to come to Jesus is acknowledge that you have sinned. It's really popular today to try to t call things that are sin, not sin, so that we don't offend and don't hurt people's feelings. First thing you need to do is say, I have sinned. And do you know what you deserve for that? You deserve to be nailed to a cross and die. Because I, little Andy believed a lie that, 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 uh, that, that I, was, like, I, was, I was afraid of everything. That's a sin. I wasn't trusting in God. That's, that's death. You stole the cookie from the cookie jar. You deserve to die. The punishment of, of sin is death. And until I can confess that that is a sin... I'm not going to be forgiven of it. So Jesus, I realize I deserve this. Now, here's the thing I really want you to understand. This guy, this thief on the cross, he looked to his left. What did he see? Did he see a resurrected Messiah dancing out of the grave, the Mariachi? He saw a bloody man breathing his last breaths. Peter, James, John, Thomas. Thomas, one of the guys who'd been with Jesus all these years. And he's like, I'll never believe unless I actually see him alive again. And this thief, this is probably the most profound act of faith I can point out to you in the scripture. He looks, he's about to breathe his last. The thief himself, with every breath, is in agony. And he looks at somebody else in agony. And he says this, do you, even, do you even have any fear of God? We deserve to die. This man has done nothing wrong. And he looks at Jesus, this bloody stump of a man that we beat senseless and whipped to, whipped to the point of death as he's breathing his last and puts every ounce of faith he can. And he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What was he saying? I still believe that you're the Messiah and you're coming into a kingdom. Do you realize the profoundness of that faith? Remember me, just remember me. And it was, he didn't, he didn't have a Bible degree. He didn't have the Bible. He had nothing. He was a thief. He was the lowest of the low. And all he could do is say, I need you. Remember me. It's like this. If you've known me for more than 30 seconds, you know that I will go to Disneyland every chance I get. 
Disney World even better. And as people go off to Disneyland, if I get a chance to say hi to them before they go, I'll say something like this without fail. Hey, 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 you're leaving tomorrow, right? Go on Splash Mountain for me. Just one time, just one extra time, think of me. And it's almost like I'm there. What am I saying? I'm saying, remember me when you come into your kingdom, all right? Right? And in my heart, I'm like, all, all I want you to do is remember me. And it's like, it's almost as good as I'm there. And, 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 Jesus, and this is what the thief says to Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. I realize I'm done for. I'm toast. I deserve this death. He had no concept of forgiveness. He knew he was dead. He said, just remember me. It'll be almost like I'm there. And Jesus, hanging on the cross, looks to the thief and he says, I'll do you one better. This day, you will be with me in paradise. It's like if I say to you, Zeb, you're going to Disneyland. He would never do it. I say, Christopher, you're going to Disneyland. And remember me when you go on Splash Mountain. And what if he's like, I'll do you one better. You're coming with me tomorrow. I'd be like, ah! I'd be like, I'm dropping everything. I'm with, I'm with you. This is what Jesus did. He's not just saying, yeah, I'll think about you. He's like, no, this very day you're coming with me to paradise. The king of kings and lord of lords. All this guy did, all he could do was muster up a little bit of faith. and says, hey, remember me. And we who know the tomb is empty, how much better we have this hope. We have this hope. Thank you. That's my daughter. She's six. You're going to sit in the church every day now. <laughs> Folks, if you've fallen into the performance mentality or the hostage mentality where you're demanding, if you'll do this for me, if I, you come through for me on this, then, I'll, then I'll, I'll remember you. You've got it backwards. <laughs> you just say, no matter what, Lord, yes, deliver me. Yes, heal me. But no matter what may come, I remember you. You are the God. You are the Christ. And I put everything and I lay my life down before you no matter what. So if you're here today, you have incredibly good news. Because this day, he wants to bring you into the kingdom with him. Maybe you've, you've toiled your whole life and this is the first time you realize that there is nothing you can do except receive. Maybe you've been performing or maybe you've never given it two thoughts and you, you're like, I didn't realize all I had to do was accept Jesus and I'm forgiven. That's right. The identity, the sin, it's all wiped away. Jesus sees it no more. The Lord sees it no more. The punishment of, that causes death has been taken. And all I do is I receive Jesus and I am crucified with him and I rise again to new life. And we don't just start that when we die one day. We start life now. Remember, you can live. This is a short time that we live on this planet Earth. But he wants us to begin living our abundant life now and walk into his kingdom so that when we breathe our last in this vessel, we breathe our first again with him. And so here's what I want to do to conclude. Um, because you can't receive Jesus without bowing your head. That's a joke, by the way. We're still going to bow our heads, and here's why. It's just because I realize that five-year-old Andy, is he's going to do this, we all feel the same way. If you... I want this to be an intimate moment between you and Jesus, all right? Um, everybody else, just bow your heads, and, and we're going to put our faith in that. So if you're here today and you want to just receive that forgiveness of your sins, or you want to receive, you just want to give it back to Jesus and say, I've been performing, I've been demanding, I've held you hostage, I received the forgiveness of my sins, would you just put your hands up in faith? 
High and proud, yes, amen. Receive it freely, receive it freely. Anybody else? Maybe it's the first time or you're just giving it back. Praise the Lord. Could everybody just stand with me, please? I want to pray a liberating prayer with you. We are going to confess the name of Jesus together. We are going to receive the forgiveness of our sins. We are going to receive that abundant life. We are going to receive. So let's pray together. Father, yeah, we're going to repeat after me, just so you know. I should have made that clear. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We receive forgiveness of our sins. We receive life. We lay our lives down in the name of Jesus. We stop performing and we start receiving in faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, folks, I said this in first service. You are not a monkey. This is the most freest thing you're going to understand. You're not a monkey. What do mon monkeys will perform for treats, all right? The treat is paid for. Now, why, I live a godly life, and I walk with him because he's paid for it, and I, I do it all out of rest. I do it all out of what he's already paid for. He loves you. He rejoices over you. He has forgiven you, and he wants to give you life ever after and abundantly full of joy now. And if you'll receive that, say amen in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit us at welcomenewlifeassembly.org.